Hey everybody, welcome to episode 24 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and this week's guest, Stephen Campbell, is a 2020 grad playing out of Texas. He is currently ranked number 24 on the Rolex AJGA rankings. In 2019, he was named to the Rolex AJGA All-American team, and he's committed to play his college golf at the University of Oklahoma. So obviously a really good player, um, but even more than that, just a really good person. Uh, Steven and I had a really good chat. He's got a super level head on his shoulders, and I was very impressed um, in just the young man that he is um, and how he's developed uh, on the golf course and off the golf course. And, you know, he's got some really good stuff to share with you guys. Um, you know, players specifically, he's going to talk to us about, you know, some different non negotiables that, um, you know, he puts himself through every single day, uh, practice playing routines, um, just in general with his day to day. He's going to talk about some of his influencers, his recruiting process. Um, we're going to kind of reflect on some different memories like junior president's cup and some different fun golf memories and tournaments and stuff like that. Um, you know, and we're really just going to dive into some different topics that I think are going to help you guys uh, be able to navigate your journey. So I think you're really going to enjoy this chat. Uh, before we get into it, though, I do want to ask you if you've been listening or maybe if this is the first time that you've listened, um, I want you to start paying attention to, you know, how we're doing uh, with the show. And I'd love to get some feedback from you. And whether that comes in the form of, you know, going onto your podcast platform and leaving a review, if that's sending me a message on uh, Instagram or LinkedIn where I uh, am pushing out the information for the podcast. Um, that'd be great as well. Or if it's in the form of sending me an email, you can do that at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. Uh, it's keys, K-I-E-S, just like the show. And, um, you know, really what I'm asking for is that feedback so that we can continue to make this show better for you guys because that's what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it to continue to build a resource that's going to be helpful for players and parents as they're navigating their way through the junior golf space and a really... Um, I wouldn't say easy, but uh, easier way for me to do that is to just learn from you guys and the, and get some feedback so that I can adjust if I need to and you know continue to make this thing better. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into this chat. So if you guys sit tight, I'll be right back with my guest this week, Stephen Campbell. All right, guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. I'm excited this week. For our guest, Stephen Campbell. Uh, Stephen's a 2020 grad out of Texas who's committed to play golf at the University of Oklahoma. And I got Stephen on the line. How's it going, bud? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I really appreciate you doing this. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we were kind of talking about, you know, this project's really just one that I put together to build a resource for players and parents that are out there and some coaches that are listening to. Um so I just wanted to kind of jump in with you. Just want to try to bring as much value to the audience as we can and pull from some of your experience that you've had as a young player with a lot of success. Can you just kind of talk to us a little bit about how you got introduced to the game? 
Um, so I got introduced to the game from my dad. So I was uh, born in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, kind of full circle with the uh, University of Oklahoma. But um, so I was born in Norman, and uh, I was 18 months old, actually, when I got a club put in my hand. And my dad put me um, put a club in my hand when I was 18 months old, actually, at Coffee Creek um, Golf Club in, uh, I think it was Edmond, Oklahoma. And um, unfortunately, it shut down. It shut down a couple of years ago because they put houses on it. So that was kind of unfortunate. But yeah. Um, yeah, so my dad, he always, he thought I was a right-hander because I was uh, predominantly right-handed growing up. And actually, I, I gravitated towards uh, just left-handed, left-handed clubs. And he tried to, you know, force me to go righty. And um, but I just kept sticking with it and uh, kept hitting like, you know, the reverse side of the uh, right-handed clubs because I just did not want to swing righty. And it was actually <laughs> Um, my dad, I always watched him when it was, when it was sunny, I always watched his shadow and got to see, um, him. Sw- it's, it was kind of the opposite of a righty. So I got to see him swing lefty and I just imitated it and sure. it kind of stuck. So I'm predominantly righty and everything that I do except, uh, golf and baseball, I, uh, swing lefty and, but everything else, I write righty, I eat right-handed, I, uh, throw right-handed. So, um, kind of a little bit of an ambidextrous there. It's kind of like Phil yeah. Nicholson. So pretty cool to relate to that. Yeah, that's funny. I actually, uh, I started playing golf myself left-handed and I've got a couple like still shots, like perfect position. And I, I actually switched, um, when I was probably about eight years old and, oh wow, uh, yeah, funny enough, we were out Sunday after church one day, kind of just family. We used to play nine holes in the afternoon. My family did. And, uh, I forgot a club and instead of just choking up on another club or trying to, you know, give another one some, you know, full steam. I just borrowed one of my sister's clubs, which was right-handed and uh, knocked it on the green. And my dad was kind of like, huh, okay, you know, let's play around with this. And I ended up switching to right-handed. Um, but I always, I continue to swing a baseball bat left-handed, which is kind of strange. You could win a lot of bets on the golf course doing a little of that <laughs> ambidextrous action. Yeah. I've, uh, I've definitely been known to flip the club, club a couple of times up against a tree and be able to execute it. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it comes in handy every once in a while. Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, just kind of want to dig in. You're committed to play at University of Oklahoma. Now I've kind of got a little context behind maybe why. I didn't know you were born in Oklahoma. Um, Has that always been the school that you wanted to go to, or what did your recruiting process look like? Uh, it's a funny story about that. So, I mean, it was, it's kind of a little bit of a bonus that I'm from Norman and uh, actually my mom and dad went to Oklahoma. My mom played college basketball at Oklahoma during the late eighties and early nineties. And then my dad actually got his petroleum engineering degree there and that's how they met. Um, so big love story there. Yeah. But um, no, so the recruiting process, it was a, um, I loved it. A lot of people dread it, but that's the one thing I don't, I uh, wouldn't recommend. I, I love the recruiting process and you got to really embrace it because this is only going to happen once in your life. And you're getting to talk to the, some of the best schools in the nation. You're getting to see all these different programs, how they function. And it's just a really, really cool uh, and humbling experience. I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, one of the re- – well, I mean, I got a couple reasons why I did choose Oklahoma. Number one, most importantly, is I mean, I prayed and thought about this uh, a lot, and I just felt like that was the best place where the Lord wanted me to um, go and pursue my academic and athletic career was at the University of Oklahoma. And I don't know why it worked out like that, but just everything fell into place, and that was – that's one of the main reasons. One of the other ones is uh, the golf coach there or golf coaches. Ryan Hibble and Bill Alcorn, in my opinion, I think they're the best in the business. Ryan Hibble is a phenomenal guy, phenomenal coach. We actually 
kind of match personalities. He's more of a dynamic kind of coach and more of a dynamic kind of person where I'm a little bit more outgoing. Same with him. Mm-hmm. And short game magician and wizard. Uh, I took my first visit out there in October and that was an absolute treat. I got to, I mean, I really wasn't at the Oklahoma level yet. So I was, I was getting up there and they saw a little bit of potential in me, took a visit out there and I absolutely loved it. It was um, great. It was a great experience. And then Bill Alcorn, the assistant is an awesome assistant golf coach. Um, both great, uh, both great guys. Bill Alcorn's really into the fitness as- aspect, which is uh, now ever since Tiger Woods started to take uh, started to take over the game. Fitness has been so important in golf. So For sure. uh, Bill Alcorn's going to be um, an all an, him and Coach Hibble are going to be a great team, and um, just uh, I'm really really excited for Oklahoma. And then another um, reason was just the campus and um, just everything around it. They got a great business finance program or great business program. I'm actually going to be majoring in business finance and then minoring in sports psychology. So they have um, pretty good programs for that there. And then also a little added bonus, my mom playing college basketball there, like I said earlier, and me being in Norman or uh, being born in Norman, that was, um, that's pretty cool. But I mean, those are some of the kind of the main reasons why I chose Oklahoma and actually before the recruiting process even started, I actually did not ha- want to do anything with Oklahoma because, you know, I, I was a little bit of a re- rebellious kid when it came to sports teams. So I didn't want to um, really ch- uh, cheer for the school that my parents uh, actually went to and cheered for. So I was actually a TCU Horn Frog fan for a long time. I actually, so after we lived in Norman for three years, I moved to Fort Worth. And we lived there for eight years, and my mom got to interview some of the great TCU coaches um, or sports coaches. And I was a big TCU Horn Frog fan for the longest time, very passionate about them. And then got into the recruiting plot process and got to see what Coach Hibble, Coach Alcorn, and all about. And then um, and I'm an Oklahoma Sooner now, so I am ready for the next four years. And yeah, I can't yeah. wait. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's. It's going to come up quick. I know that. I mean, it'll be, you know, spring will be over. You'll be competing in the summer and then off to school in August. That's right? so crazy. I can just remember. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. I go to college in less than six months. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yes, it's, very exciting. It'll be a it'll be a fun, fun next for chapter sure, for, for you, sure. For sure. And they've obviously got a really good program yes. there. Um, are the Lawrence brothers there yet? I can't remember. The, uh, the what brothers? Been. Is it Lawrence, Ben Lawrence? Uh, yeah. So Ben Lorenz is in my class, and then Blake Lorenz's older brother is there. He's uh, he's going to be a junior when I get there. Okay, okay. Yep. So, yeah, you guys all um, have a nice team. That'll be a lot of fun. Yes, sir, for sure. And, I mean, you can just see the progress that Coach Hibble's putting into a lot of those players. Um, some of the guys maybe not – we're not, like, super dominant in junior golf, but what they're doing now or what Coach Hibble's doing now – um, with that team, I mean, every single one of the players is um, phenomenal there, uh, talent-wise and just skill-wise and everything. So it's a very, very yeah. tough lineup to make, but I'm looking forward to the challenge, and it's just going to make me a better player every single day. Yeah, for sure. What does what what does the culture revolve around there in terms of just the outside of you know on course playing and stuff like that? What is what kind of culture are they building within the program? Um, a very family inter- uh, integrated culture. Um, Coach Hibble and Coach Alcorn are big family guys. And actually, um, I didn't get to experience this, but I will on my official visit. They usually take all the recruits actually over to um, 
Coach Hibble's house and they get to have a uh, family dinner there with them or just uh, get to hang out, hang out at their house. And it's just, you know, you can just, there's a little bit of, of a different vibe at Oklahoma and it's a great, and it's a great vibe, great family atmosphere. Everyone is really, really bonded as a team. Even if um, there was a little bit of differences coming in, everyone's really gotten to uh, get over those and just bond as a team and as a culture. And that's one of the, that's another main reason why I went to Oklahoma was the atmosphere, uh, atmosphere there is just so family oriented in a great team, uh, team environment. And it's just something really, really cozy and really, uh, something really, um, really special brewing in Oklahoma. Yeah, get into the rivalry, interstate rivalry uh, there tech, with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, Bedlam. Um, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, Oklahoma State's a great school, don't get me wrong. I know we don't like them half the time, or more than half the time, <laughs> but, I mean, they're a very respectable program. What Coach Bratton has done there um, for however long he's been there, he's done, a, he's done yeah. a fabulous job. Great, great recruits, Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf. Um, just a lot of different players coming in and going through there. Ricky Fowler, another Oklahoma State Cowboy. So that's a that's a great yeah. program. Got to give them props for all they've done. But um, no, when it's on the golf course, it's head down, butt up. We want to destroy them. But off the golf course, for sure. um, you know they're a great group of guys. Awesome, good deal. What um, uh, what other types of influencers have you had? Uh, both just personal and then within golf um so influence influencer uh influencers so since we're on the topic of golf i'll stick with those so actually my my golf coach right now tim hobby he played golf at baylor and coached at baylor um back in i believe it was the 90s and 2000s i believe and this i mean he's a great golf coach and an even better player um, played in the 1990 Masters and then the 1995 U.S. Open when Corey Pavin hit that shot at Shinnecock at four at four oh, yeah. wood. Um, so he he actually was two shots off of making the cut that year. But um, and Tim he actually made the or he won the U.S. Am Pub Links uh, when that was still around. So that's how he got his invitation to the Masters. And he, he okay. went through sectional qualifying and um, won it there. So that's a big influence on my life. I've been with him since seventh grade, and he has transformed my game a lot. He really has, just swing-wise, everything, mechanics. And he's a great guy. He really keeps everything simple, doesn't really um, get too technical with a lot of things. So, I mean, class act uh, Tim is and really respect him. Great influence on my life. And then another one is my mental coach, Larry Miller. Um, my mom, so she actually – um, got connected with him through the radio um, and first time on the radio it was they kind of clicked and they really got into some great conversations about golf and he actually played on the tour for a little bit not as success he so he didn't make any of the masters or u.s opens or anything but he was uh pretty successful on tour played predominantly on the corn ferry tour now i don't know what it was called back in the 80s but then played on some pga yeah. tour um events and was pretty successful there and he's just really been a great process and uh or a great person that i've been able to look up to in my life ask a lot of questions pick his brain and he's really helped me mentally i got on with him um the end of my freshman year of high school and he's just helped my game so much that's another person who i really really um appreciate because without him i don't think i would be here um talking to you today um as mental uh, as mentally strong as i am now um, he's just helped my mental game so much. And everyone says golf is 90% middle. They're exactly right. Because once you get to a certain yeah. level, junior, collegiate, and professionally, um, anyone, they can hit, everyone can hit the ball the same. Everyone can strike it great. But it's whoever has the best short game 
and whoever has the best mind is going to win that week. So those are uh, two yeah. some, are some big influences in my life on golf. Outside of golf, um, my spiritual mentor or like my accountability partner, Bay Forrest, he um, I also got connected with my mom's radio show um, and great family friend to us. He um, does he actually played the NBA in the late 70s and early 80s before he tore out his back. And he's in full time missionary work now. He's been all over the place, all over um, Africa, all over just it all all over the world, um, spreading the gospel. So he's a great guy in my life, great influence. And he really keeps me in check spiritually if I'm uh, ever wrong or if I ever, ever have any questions. And he's made my faith um, a lot stronger. So without him, again, I don't think my faith would be as strong as, as it is now. And he's just really brought up some great points. I actually got to um, visit him at the end of last summer and kind of got a new motto going into um, just everything in life. It's called I Am Third. And the verse is Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 39. It's pretty much saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That is the greatest commandment. And then the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. So you want to honor the Lord first, then uh, put your friends, family, and everyone else second. Humble yourselves and then uh, leave you third. So you can really um, humble yourselves before others and not get into um, the sins and the uh, thoughts of the world. So... Um, yeah. he's really great. He was a really great influence on my life and I'm very blessed to have him. So, I mean, those are a couple of influences that I've had in my life and I'm just very, very fortunate and blessed to, um, have those people in my life. Yeah, for sure. That's, um, I appreciate you sharing. Of that. course. That's of really course. Good information. And I think that everybody can benefit. That, exactly. Benefit exactly. from that, right? Yes, sir. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and that's what, I mean, that's one of the main reasons, like I've had to kind of realize, as I've gotten older, like what my purpose is here on earth. And it's really, I, I, I think I know what it is now. It's really to play the game of golf, but also to use the light of Christ and really show, show that through the game of golf and use that as a platform. Because I mean, my ultimate goal is to make the PGA tour. And if I can do that, I mean, what, what greater way to advance the kingdom than on the PGA tour? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got a, you've got a great stage there to be able to do that. And I mean, I know that a lot of those guys, you know, meet together when they're out on the road and they've got um, people that travel with them that can kind of keep them centered, exactly um, around that. Um, yeah. So that's really yes, cool. Sir. Thank I'm you. Thank you. Can you jump back to, I want to talk a little bit more about your coach. Yes. Um, and I, I really, I like what you said about keeping it simple, not super technical. I think sometimes junior players can get caught up and sometimes parents can get really caught up in, you know, taking them to the next lesson and trying to find the best coach that has the most success, you know, in different areas. But I posted something today, or maybe it was yesterday on my LinkedIn page for the podcast for parents to see. It was still shots of three different players at the top. It was like DJ, um, Furick, and I can't remember who the third one was, but obviously they're all in very different positions, right? At the top of their slings. And so the point of the post was to just talk about how like everybody's different. You know, everybody's an just encouraging parents to look for coaches that are kind of assessing the whole situation and not just teaching everybody that they work with to swing the same way. So can you kind of t- dive into that a little bit deeper? Just what does the simplicity do for you? Um, you know, not keeping it super technical, but there is a technical component of it. Yeah. Too, right? Yes, sir. For sure. And I mean, I really think that just now a lot of people are over 
overcomplicating the game. And I don't get me wrong. I have two. I've fallen into that trap because I'm a perfectionist. And that, I mean, that's a great thing, but it's also a bad thing um, in the game of golf because, I mean, golf's not a game of perfection. It's a game of misses, and it's a game of how well you can judge your misses. Jack Nicklaus, or I think Jack Nicklaus said this, and he said this best. Um, when I'm playing a round of golf, I will – or. Uh, full tournament, full four rounds. I might have two to three perfect shots in that uh, in that seventy-two hole stretch, and every single other one of the shots are misses. And they might be good misses, they might be ba- uh, they might be bad misses. But it's the way you manage your misses is how uh, how successful of a player you're going to be. And Tim is really great because I mean he doesn't get super complicated. He doesn't he doesn't get into like all the different machines and a track man and all that. Don't get me wrong, track man's great every once in a while, but I'm not a believer in it every single day because people can get too caught up with numbers and that that can be, just be too much of a bad thing or too much of a good thing in yeah. my opinion. And I love how coach Hobby he really um, works on feel and really gets your feel down because I'm a feel player. And whenever I'm talking to him or I'm confused on what we're working on, I always say, Hey, what am I supposed to feel here? And if I can get a feeling down in my swing or my setup or something, I know what to work on. And I mean, I pride myself on really being a grinder and really practicing a lot. So if I got a feeling or I'm working on something, I really grind on it and I get that feel. I, I um, what does it get that feeling to reality uh, kind of feel versus real you want to feel like say you're working on your takeaway and you're and you're sucking it too far inside you want to feel like you're trying to hit a, a cut swing and taking it a little bit uh, outside but in reality sure. it's actually squaring uh, squaring your takeaway uh, your takeaway. And you, you really yeah. want to work on that, that feel aspect. And don't get me wrong, it's different for every player. I know a lot of players who are very technical-oriented, and that's the kind of coach they need. Um, but sure. I'm, not, I'm not that way. So if I went to a coach who was super technical, I don't think we could get along as well as me and uh, Coach Hobby. Because um, I'm, I'm a feel guy. I'm a simple guy. I like to keep golf simple. I know sometimes I get a little bit ahead of myself and can get too technical. So I have to kind of step back, breathe, relax, and kind of – you know, break it down and keep uh, keep it really, really simple. So it all it honestly yeah. just depends on the player. But I mean, there's no such thing as the perfect golf swing. I know, Roy, or I mean, there is. But the thing is, you need to swing your swing, like Arnold Palmer says. If you look, it doesn't matter how funky it looks, as long as you get your a, a match, a couple of positions. If you have a great impact position, a great takeaway, and um, you're on plane, then there's really nothing. I mean, there's really nothing to worry about. You really just need to focus on those things. And if I mean, if you're hitting far, you'll, you're going to be just fine as long as you have a good short game. So I think a lot of people overcomplicated yeah. a little bit too much. I think they just need to kind of keep it simple and simplify the game because the simpler you keep it, um, the much easier it's going to be because the more pressure you put on yourself when it comes to this technical stuff, um, you're just not going to perform as well. And you got so much un un unnecessary pressure on yourself keeping it simple just frees up your game and i guarantee you'll play better if you just keep it simple yeah yeah so when you talk about feel versus real i just want to try to like paint a picture for the audience because i understand what you mean by that and you give the example of like your takeaway and so for those of you that are listening and especially young players uh and correct me if i'm wrong but when you're talking about feel you're talking about maybe a drill where you're going outside because you've been coming too far inside, right? Correct. So you're almost accentuating exactly that out further, and so it it maybe feels like you're going way outside, but in actuality, 
you're probably a little bit closer to a square table. Exactly, away. exactly. And that's what I mean. When I was working on shallowing out my swing, it was a very, very tough and difficult process, but I was feeling um, kind of taking it back and then dropping it inside. That's a four, That was a foreign move on my, uh, on my part um, a year ago, and you really just have to kind of grind it out and kind of feel what's going on. And it's going to feel funky. It's going to be exaggerated, but you all, you just have to fight it. You can never run away from it in fear. You have to fight it. And I guarantee if you, if you're a grinder or you practice really, really hard, that makes the process go a lot faster, especially if you really practice this over and over and over, because it's not going to take a year or six months to get this down. If you really practice and you got that muscle memory, uh, you continue to use that muscle memory over and over and over again. Um, it's going to, it's going to free up the process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about managing your misses. That's something you mentioned also <clears throat> explain that in a little bit more detail. I mean, I know you said, uh, you're talking about good misses and bad misses. Let's just help the players that are out there understand what you mean by that. When you're going through a round, what does it mean to have a good miss? And what does it mean to have a bad? So miss? like, I mean, you're not going to hit every single shot right down the middle. You're not going to hit every single shot two feet from the hole, and you're not going to make every putt. So you have to really have a good attitude about it, okay? Say you hit your drive, you hit it great, but you hit it a little bit uh, off to the left or off to the right, and you're in the rough. Okay, you have to – you can't really get angry and demonstrative because the more you do – the more you get angry and demonstrative, the more that carries into the next shot. And if you continue to do that over and over and over again, you're going to cuff yourself in a bind, dig a deeper hole. Instead of relaxing, accepting that you hit a bad shot, and what can I do on this next shot to recover from that? And you, I, I really feel like people these days are getting too angry and too tense over uh, golf. Sh- uh, over golf. And I mean, I've, I've fallen into this trap a little bit, not out, not on the outside, but on the inside, I'll kind of beat myself up a little bit. So I've had to really work on that. And it's all about your self-talk. If you talk to yourself positive and you talk, you talk to yourself um, with a great attitude, then you're going to do great. But I hear a lot of players, even some of my friends who say, oh man, like I, it's the S word, uh, shank. I hate saying that word. That's why I say the S word. <laughs> and I mean, and I was actually at Rolex and one of my friends was talking to me about that. And they said, Stephen, you're exactly right. I actually did that today because it was running through my mind. And I ended up doing that right. on 18 instead of saying what you say and blocking it out. Because those things, you don't think they're going to be in your mind, but subconsciously they're going to be in your mind. So you mm. really, so that's the difference, in my opinion, between a good miss and a bad miss. Like hitting a bad tee shot, beating yourself up, and then you don't hit a good second shot, and then you don't fail to get up and down. Okay, it's a bogey. Now you're pissed off at yourself, and you're going to the next hole with negative energy instead of, how could I have controlled that second shot better? You could have slowed yourself down, hit a good shot, hit it on the green, make the birdie putt, or get out of there with a two-putt par, and then you're having some better vibes after a little bit of a missed tee shot. So I think it's just all about managing your emotions more than, like, you know, good misses or bad misses. And, look, the thing is, we're like I said, we're not going to hit everything two feet. But if we hit it stuff to 15 feet, I mean, that's not what, exactly what you wanted, but it's a great shot. So it's a little sure. bit of – it's technically, it's a little bit of a miss than what you wanted. Everyone wants it to go in the hole, but – you you didn't say you didn't say you were trying to hit a little baby draw, but it ended up being straight and it's still 15 feet from the hole. That's a good miss. So and sure. that's what I'm talking about is not golf. You're never going to be perfect. It is a game of 
imperfections. And that's real. Uh, that's really what I'm talking about is you're not going to hit every golf shot. Perfect. So you have to accept it and have a great attitude about it. Yeah. It's interesting how you break that down because, you know, as I'm kind of like chewing through everything that you're talking about, you know, misses in your mind aren't necessarily physical misses. I mean, you talk about, I want to hit it to two feet and I hit it to 15. That's a good miss physically, but you're also talking about misses in terms of mental misses as well. Exactly. Uh, which is huge, right? So, I mean, you talk about, well, two things that I want to go into this. I want to ask you real quick about aim small, miss small. So can you kind of talk about your process in terms of picking a target and kind of help people visualize what you're going through when you pick a target and you aim small and what that does to your shot pattern? Of yeah, so actually I got that aim small, miss small technique from uh, actually – my assistant in high school golf coach, he doesn't uh, do that anymore, but it was freshman year. And he said the greatest people in the army, like the snipers and the riflemen, um, they all have a great technique. And it's aim small, miss small. Because here's the thing. You can't say, oh, I want to hit it somewhere in the fairway. Or you can't even say, I want to hit it up the right side or the left side of the fairway. You have to be very, very specific when it comes to picking at your target. What I like to do is is be very, very specific. I know it might sound tacky and kind of weird, but I might pick out a single single shingle on a house or um, a window of some source. And like, say it's a window with four different divided sections. Okay, which divided section are you going to go to? Because the thing is, if you're, say you do not hit your target and it's that small and you're a little bit off, if if you're a little bit off of that target, you're still in the fairway. Um, right. That, that's the, th- that's the thing when it comes to aim small, miss small. But the thing is, if you say, oh, I want to hit somewhere in the fairway and you don't hit your target, you're in the rough or the trees or possibly the water. And that's not very good. So that's why you need to lock in and focus on a specific target. Or, I mean, on the putting ground, I focus on a specific spot or a specific blade of grass. It might sound a little quirky, but it helps me a lot because if I don't hit that, it's still going to be a great putt or a great shot. You just, so you have to really, yeah. Um, when I'm talking about, you have to exaggerate aiming small, like as small as you can possibly get, because if you miss that, you're still going to be okay. Yeah, no, I love it. I actually, the episode hasn't come out yet, but I just interviewed the director of player, player development at the university of Illinois for football, um, which may seem a little odd, but the reason I reached out to him is because he's a former Navy seal, uh, commando officers on seal team eight and, I just he puts out a lot of really good information and some of the stuff that he puts out there is around visualization. So we were talking about one of the things that I'm personally doing myself right now is trying to work on visualization. And I said it's not really something that I've, you know, given a lot of focus to outside of sport, you know, just visualizing goals for myself in the future and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, I, I don't really understand. Like, how could you you know you had to when you're a good player, you, you always visualize. And so I gave him the example of teeing it up and I'm not just aiming at that tree. I'm aiming at the, so you, it's, I almost started laughing when you gave the example of the shingle on the roof, because I said, I'm not aiming at that tree. I'm aiming at the yellow exactly. leaf on the left-hand side. That's five feet from the top yes. of that tree. And to your point, you know, if I hone in on that, right. And I miss that target, 
you know, I'm still exactly, exactly. And it's just, it's a mental game. That's another thing of being mentally stronger than, than your opponent. Cause I guarantee you a lot of the junior golfers, no offense, but they're a little bit immature when it comes to this. That's what separates the elite golfers from the people who are good or average golfers. They don't focus in on specific spots and the mind game is a massive factor. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more. You talk about reacting to a, a bad shot. You talk about self-talk. Uh, what is your process when you hit a bad oh, shot? Oh, when I hit a bad shot. So my mom has been really, really uh, helpful on this subject with me because she's, in my opinion, the most positive person I've ever met in the world. And it's a real blessing. But whenever I hit a bad shot, so say I'm on the tee box and, okay, it's a dog leg left. And um, I hit, so since I'm a lefty, I hit, I hit a draw instead of a cut. Okay. It goes into the bunker or it goes into the rough. Um, you know, I, I'm, I talked to the ball and it didn't listen. So I kind of have to laugh, <laughs> accept it. And just, you know what I, I, I talk to myself and I mean, when I'm, when I'm on the course, I actually, uh, I pray a lot. So I like to pray. And then I also just talk to myself and just, you know, positive reinforcement mind. Like, you know what? You're going to have a, you're going to hit a great shot. It's okay. Just step up there and let's figure out what we're going to do in this next shot. Immediately take your mind to the next shot. Okay. So hit it in the, uh, hit it in the rough and okay. Now we have 148 yards. Okay. What am I going to do here? Instead of dwelling on it and say, Oh, I can't believe I hit that bad shot. Dude, you're such a, you, you suck as a player. I, I hear this so much is I, uh, all these players saying I suck. I can't do this. I hate myself. I'm like, I mean, I don't understand how they're even that good. If they're an elite player. If their self-talk is that crappy, it just, it just makes no sense because you're just slowly yeah. defeating yourself and blowing up in your mind. And I think that's another reason why, because my self-talk is so positive and it just it beats me i beat out a lot of other players in the long run okay they might get off to a fast start but i end up beating out a lot of players in the long run because i'm positive and i stay with it instead of they're gonna self they're gonna self-destruct i'm gonna let them self-destruct while i just continue to rise say i might be five shots four shots down early but once they start self-destructing, I'm not complaining. I'm just going to continue to play my own game and stay positive. I'm just going to let them destruct, and I'll just I'll be just fine. Yeah, I mean, your mental endurance game, you've built to the point where it's just going to outlast the competition, right? Exactly. That's, that's a big thing is just outlasting the competition mentally because it's whoever yeah. has it 18 holes. And I know it's mentally draining and mentally stressful, but um, that's a massive thing. Yeah. Yeah. That hits a chord with me. Um, and I'm sure you've seen the news today uh, and we're recording. Uh, what is the date today? The 26th of January. Um, we lost Kobe Bryant today, which is cr- crazy to even think about. But what you're talking about right now reminds me of something that I shared earlier today was a quote of his was talking about just his obsessive nature. And um he said the obsessiveness is having attention to detail for the action you're performing at the time that you are performing it. And I don't know that quote when you, as you're talking through everything kind of just speaks super clear to me. Exactly, man. I mean, that's so, it's so sad about Kobe. I know we're digressing a little bit. That's so sad about Kobe Bryant. Um, I'm just 
praying for their family right now because I mean, that's almost like, I know that's almost like I lost, I just lost my dad and my 13 year old little brother. I mean, that is just so sad and uh, horrific. I mean, he was 41 years old. He was, in my opinion, one of the greatest athletes ever because he was the most mentally strong. He, I mean, he's same level as Tiger Woods when it comes to mental toughness and then work ethic as well. He is, has, in my opinion, the greatest work ethic in um, basketball and then in sports in general and just he was so physically and mentally tough and he was someone that I looked up to and inspired and inspired to be just mentally and I mean it's just it's very very sad what's going on there I I just it's almost like a dream right now it really is I can't I mean it just doesn't feel real it really does not I know I know I hear you um yeah it's it's interesting I wasn't I wasn't ever like cheering for him on the court i just wasn't like a exactly, fan exactly or you know same. anything like yeah. that but god i've paid so much attention to him over the past year or since he retired really and just you know the different things that he's doing and uh, you know the speeches he's given and the business deals that he's getting involved in or was getting involved in and yeah he's just done so many things for a lot of people and just leading by example from a mental toughness perspective hearing him tell some of those stories about you know meeting his guys in the gym at five o'clock in the morning or they're supposed to meet at five and the guy gets there early to beat him there. But Kobe was already three steps ahead of him because he was there at four. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, different stuff like that. So um, what do you and your mental coach, and I, and I don't want to just brush off the Kobe thing, but you know, I don't want to make the entire chat about that either. Um, but while we're on the subject of mental toughness, I thought it was important to kind of shed some light there. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so what are you like, just asking about uh, mental toughness in general or in the game of golf? Yeah, I, I think um, really in general, but you know, specifically with golf, I want to kind of know, is there anything that you and your coach work on Larry uh, in terms of like just mental training, something that like just pick a th- one or two things that really stick out drills that you can do um, that can help. Yeah. People. I mean, not specifically, but I just, I mean, uh, again, the po- staying positive thing, that's really, that's, I mean, that is one main thing that Larry and my mom have really taught me. And that's a big thing mentally. That's, that's one is just staying positive and staying, staying in the, another one is staying in the moment and staying in the present. And I know it sounds very cliche one shot at a time, but I actually have just found out what that really means. And it is no matter if you hit a great shot or a really crappy shot, immediately focus on the next shot at hand because if you focus on the next shot at hand, what club you're going to hit, how's the wind doing, what's the lie going to be like, thinking of all these things before you get up to your next shot, you're not going to be focused on, um, oh, what's so-and-so doing? How? What's the leaderboard looking like? Oh, I wonder what we're, where we're going to dinner tonight. I don't know. Um, just different things. And it really helps you zone in and focus. And another thing is, is uh this is a this is a good tip is to focus on things that are around you outside and and self talk yourself like say so like point out the obvious like what's going on like what color is the grass what are the trees doing what is the weather like and just talk to yourself because it takes your mind out of the of the past and the future and it just hones you in and keeps you in the present so i would say those are really a couple things that i do that are really really helpful mentally yeah i like that and you're not letting your lows cripple you and on the other side not letting your your highs cripple you exactly exactly because they can both be equally as damaging exactly yeah um 
let's talk about some of your best experiences as a junior player. What um, well, probably first off was Junior President's Cup. That was, I mean, cream. I mean, just the top, the best of the best. It was amazing um, getting to represent my country, the greatest country in the world, the United States of America, down in Australia. I mean, flying to Australia with now 11 of my best friends. And, I mean, so, even some great friends on the uh, international team. It was a really great bonding experience, getting to know everyone. And then, I mean, not to digress on our playing time, but to get to see how the pros play and, like, how they break down the course and getting to see and meet Tiger Woods, all the great players that I look up to and idolize. I mean, that was just something – that was just a surreal experience. It really was. Um, another great one was probably Wyndham cup. Wyndham cup was fantastic because I got to pour my heart and soul out. And I mean, I'll, I'm a yeller. I like to yell. I like to get excited <laughs> on the golf course and I know it aggravates some people, but you know what? At Wyndham cup, it doesn't matter. Everyone just has fun and it's just competition, raw competition at its finest. No one's trying to get an edge on each other and everyone's just playing the, to the best of their ability, but having a lot of fun doing it. And at the end yeah. of the day, no one's feelings are hurt because we all know this is just co- raw competition. And we're just having a lot of fun. I mean, Wyndham Cup was, I mean, it was a fabulous experience. It really was. And it really was a kind of hurdle that I kind of passed like, okay, I'm here. I belong in the elite junior golf world. And that was really when I started to realize that I like, I am here and I belong, which was, that's it. That, that's just another great moment. Wyndham Cup and Press Cup were truly fantastic they really really were yeah um it's 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 funny it's fun to watch you guys um you know from afar and i know a couple of the teammates you know pretty well i've had cannon on this show and i've had max moldovan on the show as well and i know michael thorbjornson pretty well um but yeah it's fun to watch you guys the camaraderie you know the you know, back and forth. Um, a lot of fun. Exactly. Watch. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Max Cannon and Michael actually got to know them pretty well during press cup. And they're, I mean, great guys. I really enjoyed my time with them and they're just even better players. They really are. They're um, fabulous talent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was the biggest thing that you took away from being able to interact with some of the pros over there during the president's? Um, I would definitely say, um, the way they can really stop the golf ball, not on the short shots, but it's just like with their long irons, like, I mean, they can be hitting a six iron and it just barely rolls out, just hits and stops. Um, and they hit every single golf shot flush. It's very, I mean, just they're so honed in with their swing. And even if they have a miss, it's still pretty darn good. And also the one thing that really stuck out to me was Tiger Woods, his speed control on the greens. You could put him 100 feet away, 20 feet away, 50 feet away. He would get it inside a two-foot circle no matter what, and he would have a great chance to make it. Every single putty hit looked like it could go in the hole. And if it didn't, it was like two feet, three feet by the hole. His speed control was so phenomenal. It was unbelievable. It really, really was. And just the way they broke down the golf course, it was it was awesome. It really was. And just, it was a really great learning experience as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about your practice and playing routine and your habits. Um, you know, some players are, are ones that, you know, like to sit on the range. I think based on our conversation, I kind of gather that you're probably a guy that 
likes to get out there and play since you're not a super technical player you probably like to get out there and feel the course and feel different shots am i accurate i mean in somewhat it just it just depends on all what i'm doing when i get closer to a tournament i like to play more get more of the uh knock a little bit of the uh playing rust off and really get to do that like i got simplified coming up so i'm really you know starting to play a little bit more but it depends when i have a little bit of an uh downtime and i'm working on some things i'm a big grinder so i'll go on the range and really just start grinding working on things getting in the zone and then i really i really enjoy practicing i really do learn just grinding and figuring a lot of things out so it just depends on how close the tournament is if um if you got a tournament that's closer i'll be on the course a lot more but if not i'll just have i'll have really really good grind sessions it just all depends on um my schedule yeah. So like, let's just take a full day, you know, you're out there, let's say just on a Saturday and you've decided I'm not going to play today. Today's a practice day and I'm going to practice on the range and short game facility. How do you break down that practice? Yeah. So time? Saturday, so I have an unlimited amount of time. I don't have to worry about school. So I, I go to the range first and I'm out there for about an hour, hour and a half, just really working on things, depending on what me and my coach are working on and just, um, um, really grinding. And the thing about the range is I never, ever just bang balls. I sometimes do, but I have to kind of control myself, but I always go to targets and I always pick out specific targets to go to and simulate real life, uh, life pressure and go to, go to different targets, see how close I am proximity wise to the hole, get my yardages dialed in instead of just, Oh, hitting in a straight line over and over and over. That's not going to accomplish anything unless you're working on something. But even when I'm working yeah. on something, I still go to targets because I want to see how close I'm getting to the hole proximity wise. Um, so that's just one thing on the range. And then when it comes to chipping, I really just have fun with it. I get creative. I practice shots that I feel are uncomfortable and I really grind on that until I'm comfortable with it. And I just have a lot of fun when it comes to chipping. I don't want to make it a burden. I want to make it fun and just challenge myself with different shots. And then when it comes to wedge area, um, I just work on my clock system, really working on, um, just my five yard increments with my wedges, seeing how close I can get to holes, picking out different targets and just dialing in those numbers and really getting them tight and, uh, close. And then I play games with myself sometimes. And then putting putting's when I really grind the most is, um, when I'm putting, I really just, I do a couple drills when it comes to putting. And I really simulate pressure when it comes to short putting. Cause if you can do that, then you're really going to be set. So I simulate, I put a lot of pressure on myself when it comes to putting and just simulate live tournament rounds and then really work on speed control. So it just depends on what I'm, if I'm, if I'm working on something, then I'm going to focus on that a little bit more. But if I'm like, you know, everything's kind of dialed in feeling good, then I'm just going to, you know, continue to, um, just hit and really get those feelings in and, you know, go to more targets and focus on that. Yeah. How do you simulate pressure for yourself? Um, so it just depends. So on chipping and stuff like that, I have to get a certain amount of balls into a certain place or I have to start over and I don't want to start over. I okay. want to, um, finish that, move on to the next, next shot or the next drill or the next station. Same thing with putting. Like, uh, for example, I do this one drill, it's called the Oklahoma drill and it is, you got three T's uh north south east west and the the first two tees are four and six feet and then that last tee is eight or nine feet just depending on uh how i'm feeling and um Mm -hmm. eight or nine feet and the first two four and six footers you have to make in order to unlock the nine footer so the four and six footer are worth even are worth a par and the nine footer is worth a birdie and you have to make 
one. So say you make the four footer and miss the six footer. You can't move on to the birdie. Say you miss the four footer. You have to make the six footer and then you have to move on because you can't make the, you can't go for the birdie. So yeah. Right. You, and my thing is I like to, I have to finish an even par and I always focus on putts that are really, really sloping and uh, lots of break to it because a lot of the courses that I play on have lots of break and undulation in the green. So I want to simulate what I'm going to be playing on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you make your short game practice fun? Um, just practicing different shots um, and getting into a zone or a groove and just practicing, practicing shots that are a little bit uncomfortable, unconventional, um, bringing in high, bringing it in low, different ball flights. How much spin can I put on a ball? Just different, just different shots like that and being creative. Mm-hmm. What does that do to you? when you get out on the course and you have a tough um, shot? I can really look back. I can really look back on it and be like, okay, I do this in practice all the time. Okay. I, um, it's just a mental picture and you have confidence yeah. on your, in yourself mentally by, Oh, I do this all the time in practice. This is, this is a piece of cake and it keeps you positive and it keeps you in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Are there any, or I know there are, but so I want to dive into what are some of the, like, what's the most challenging time that you've come across as a young player but either mentally or physically, and and can you talk to us about how you, you know, hit that head on or how you work through that? Challenge? Yeah, so oh, just cha- challenges are tough. I mean, golf is a game of challenges; it really is for sure. And you just have to kind of break it down and really just you know take a deep breath, calm down, and you just got to trust the process. You really do. You cannot get too anxious or have a lot of fear. Trust me, I get a, I get fear and anxious all the time. But you have to just release it and trust the process and know that your coach and what you're working on is going to get you better. So just stick with it and grind your rear end off. Because if you can do that, then I know you're, you're going to be set for in the future. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, I want to move towards wrapping up, but I want to talk to you about non-negotiables. Um, I think habits are important. I think, um, you know, establishing good routines are important, especially on the course, off the course. What are some non-negotiables that you have every single day, things you do every day, um, that you've just committed to because they're important? Um, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I would say some non-negotiables now, um, are I'm in the weight room. Um, I've started to work on that. I actually haven't been working out for too long, maybe three, four months. And that's actually helped a lot in my game. And, uh, just, um, in general, it's, uh, helped with, you know, physical appearance and then also, um, in my game as well. That's a non-negotiable. I'm actually doing two or three times a week, um, just workouts in the morning before school, because then I, uh, since I don't have time after school to do it, because practice daylight, all that, um, I have to go in the morning. So that's a non-negotiable. It's very tough sometimes because, you know, I'm a teenager. I want to sleep in. I want to do all these little things. But, you know, you have to suck it up and be like, this is going to make me better. And it sucked at yeah. first. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I'm starting to get in the groove now. And that's, I mean, that's one non-negotiable. Another one is just practicing with a purpose. Um, really, you know, honing in and working on what you need to work on and not seeing it as a burden, but seeing it as a way to improve and an opportunity to improve. That's another non-negotiable. I never want to make practice a burden. I want to make it fun, interesting, and it's yeah. going to be, make me um, a better player. I know in the long run, um, some other non-negotiables are outside of golf is I'm not a, I'm not a big partier. I'm really not. I mean, I don't go to a lot of parties. 
Um, I don't, I don't drink. Um, I don't do drugs. I don't do anything like that because I want to be in peak performance and I don't want to do anything stupid. That's going to jeopardize all that I have worked for. And I mean, I've got a big, I know this sounds cocky, but I've got a big future ahead of me and I don't want anything to screw that up. I don't want to risk losing my scholarship by being drunk and getting in a car and doing something stupid to wreck that. Um, that's why, I mean, I, that's why one of the reasons why I primarily stay sober. I mean, I don't, drink really i don't get drunk and i just don't plan on doing that i want to um you know be in the right mind and that's that is that's a really big non-negotiable in my life yeah yeah no i don't think that sounds silly or anything i think it's a super mature decision a super mature way yes. to and don't get me don't get me uh, wrong just approach it's very it. very it's very very easy to fall into that trap as a teenager because we're immature we want to have fun with our friends and it's tough because you got peer yeah. pressure you got all that around you but it's just i want to look at the long term rather than the short term yeah i hear you no i mean i will um you know just transparency i mean i fell into that trap myself i'm 33 years old uh i went to college to play golf i chose when i got there to quit and party and i look back and regret it um because you know i i think i could have accomplished a lot more and in golf and so you know, I've kind of unlocked some things about myself through this show to kind of share, you know, some things to do and some things not to do because I've experienced both of those in my life. And so that's what this whole thing's all about is trying to give people guidance on, you know, good decisions that were made and bad decisions that were made and what we can do to continue to make better ones. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, that's one of the big things that I advise a lot of people is think of the long term. What's it going to do to you long term and not sh- not short term and fulfilling your satisfactions and your needs? Yep, I agree. Um, all right. I want to be conscious of your time. I want to, like I said, move towards wrapping up. I'm going to flip the script okay. a little bit and something I've been doing over the last uh, couple of weeks. And I'm going to put the ball okay. in your court. Uh, to ask me a question. Um. So you said you played college golf. Um. I did not. No, oh, I quit. You did. Okay. So yep. actually, let's. I didn't even so make let's it. Dive no. into that. So where were you going to play college golf at? I was walking on to Eastern Kentucky University. Okay. And um, did you not make? Were you not good enough to make it, or was it just like um, you know, you just got burnt out? Um. For me, I think. So I got there and what happened was I went out first day of tryouts. I think I was four under through seven, eight holes, maybe something like that. I ended up shooting 80 Oh, and I made a rash decision in the moment um, that I was done. And so I can't say that like, you know, I can't really go back and tell you like, this is exactly what I was thinking, but in the time, I made that decision. I got mad and didn't handle my emotions very well. And I quit. I called my dad and I said, uh, I'm not going to play golf anymore. Um, or I'm not going to go back tomorrow, back to tryouts again. I'm, I'm not going to play. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, you hate to, you really hate to hear that, but I mean, I mean, look where you are now doing great things with the golf community and, um, yeah. Yeah. So everything, everything works yeah, out I mean, for I a think purpose. I learned a lot. Yeah, from exactly. It. Exactly. exactly. I, I learned a lot from it and uh, and that's part of the reason I'm doing this too is so I can hopefully put out some information that's going to help people not make, you know, a decision like that or or at least be able to evaluate the decision and have some resources around them to help them make better decisions. Yes, and I'm going to flip the script on you. So you asked me how I handle adversity. How do you handle adversity? 
Mm. Well, I handle a lot better than I used to. Um, so I'm actually putting myself through a mental toughness um, program right now that I started in September. And um, so I'm starting to really tackle adversity head on where I would say before I uh, in certain situations, I was more selective about it. Um, I just didn't really we used the word non-negotiable earlier. I guess it was negotiable for me. I kind of, you know, sometimes I hit it head on, sometimes I didn't. Um, and so I just wanted to be more disciplined and more, um, you know, conscious of growth for myself physically and mentally. And so, um, yeah, that's where I am. Right awesome. Now. Awesome. And then one more question because yeah. Uh, one more <laughs> question. Let's, let's think something. Um, oh, when you were playing golf, what what is your best round ever and what was your strengths of your game um my best rounds ever uh, i was a good player wasn't great i shot 68 okay. twice um in two different tournaments uh, one was a local qualifier for junior pga and the other one was a first round of a tournament in akron ohio called the good park invitational um actually funny story about the akron one so I was playing, so I mentioned I shoot 68 at a country club called Riceland uh, for the local qualifier for a junior PGA. I win that qualifier. I go to regionals. Uh, I got to win regionals to get to nationals. And, or at least that's how it was set up then. I don't know if it is anymore. Um, I end up shooting like 80 the first day. Second day I go back, I shoot 86. And then I drive from there to the first round of that Good Park tournament and shot 68 in the same There day. you go. Golf is a funky game, let me tell you. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, and the best part of my game uh, when I was playing a lot was off okay. the tee. I, I, put my, I put myself in a really good position off the tee. Yeah, that is uh, that is me to, uh, me perfectly. Um, I, that's, one, that's my strength yep. of my game is really off the tee. Yep, yep. Good deal. Well – Steven, it's been fun, man. Um, I really appreciate you doing this. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. True blessing. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, great talking to you. This was awesome. Yeah, good luck the rest of the spring and summer, and uh, Oklahoma will be here. Yes, sir. You know. Boomer sooner. I can't wait. All right, bud. We'll take awesome. care of yourself. Have a good one. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Well, that wraps up episode 24 of Junior Golf Keys. I really appreciate you guys tuning in this week and listening to our talk with Stephen Campbell Jr. Uh, had a great time chatting with him. As you know, Stephen is Boomer Sooner bound, heading to the University of Oklahoma in August, and we wish him the best of luck um, in closing out his junior golf career uh, through the spring and into the summer and then getting his start out in Oklahoma uh, come August. I know he's going to be a great addition to that team, both on and off the course, and uh, excited for him to continue his journey as a student athlete. So if you guys took anything of value away from this show, uh, please share it. Please leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. Uh, really looking forward to you know what we've got coming down the pipe the rest of the spring. And I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.